0: Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. If you've been doing that with us the last month, you know, you're, you're starting to wear a, a track in your Bible there. It's going to open to that spot because we've been in the same that same location for the last few weeks, and we're going to be there for a little while longer because each day of creation is so awesome. And as we go verse by verse through this first book, of the Bible, Genesis, or the book of origins. This is our book for, for it's really for the world, but for believers. This is the book of origins. This is the book that answers the questions about where we came from, why we're here, what we're doing here, how we got here, how everything else got here around us. And uh, this is God's historical account of creation. And really, by studying this in depth, it should make, it really should make a worshiper out of each and every one of you, and I hope that's happening. I hope you're, you're transforming more into a worshiper, and, and that doesn't mean that you're more expressive in our singing time of worship, but in your own heart, you should be a, a greater and greater worshiper as you look at the world around you and the power, the immensity of the universe, the cosmos that we are in the galaxies around us, and think about the power and the force as God spoke and it was created. I mean, we're talking mega power, more power than the world knows, and uh, we're going to look into the universe. We're going to look way deep into the universe tonight in this uh, wonderful chapter. It's, it's, it's just awesome, and as I said last week, we discover God's ineffable glory, Ineffable, indescribable. And we should all be awestruck when we look at all that God's done. So let's ask God's blessing on His Word and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you for the Word tonight. Thank you for this wonderful historical record of the creation of the universe. And I pray, Lord, that we would respond, that we would be awestruck. Really, we'd be just, oh, Lord, you're so big, you're so powerful. And in light of that, Lord, My problem, my trial, my difficulty, my hardship in this life, right now for us in this room, would just fade away. That we would see you with all power and all authority, and and tonight we would just get lost in the truth of your word. So Lord, bless this time as we study the word. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's begin day one. We'll just read in verse one of chapter one. This is day one. God creates light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So God has material, and God's there. There's material. He created Rashif, Elohim, what? Barah, you're learning. That's really good. So God creates. Now, there's materials made already in this first verse, but it's just dark. You can't see anything. There's darkness. And uh, um, verse 3, then God said, let there be light. And there, there was light, like there was light in the room here. It kind of threw me off. When that happens, it just throws me. Sorry, sorry. And God saw the light, and it was good. I, it's good. And God divided the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So there we have the first day, light. Day two, separation, separation of of water. Then God said, he's speaking each time, let there be a firmament, that's that thin layer, a, a knife slicing in between the midst of the water, separating waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament. And divided the waters which were under the firmament. So there's lower waters from the waters which were above the firmament. So there's a there's this thin layer of atmosphere and there's water in both areas. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day, obvious 24 hour day cycle here, even though there's no sun yet. This is interesting. Catch that. There's light, but the light's coming from one source, and it's God. Very interesting. So the first day, God divides light from darkness. Then he separates on the second day the water from below and the water from above. And the water's gone up into the upper atmosphere. And it's really interesting when you think about what's out there. It almost looks like water was splashed across some of our stars or planets in our solar system. And they're finding ice out there. It's really interesting. Where'd that come from? I, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but when I read this, I, it just seems like God in his creative force, fiat, his power, boom, the water just goes. But the earth is covered with water. Verse 2, the earth is without form, it's void. It's just covered with water. Day 3, earth, water, and plants. God speaks verse 9 again, and saying that, you know, Rashid Elohim Barah, he's creating still. And dry land appears all in one place. God said, let the waters appear. The heavens be gathered together in one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. On the third day, God creates inanimate materials to sustain life. He, From the water, he's brooding over the water. Verse 2, he separated the water from above and below. And now he brings the earth. It's under the water. And he brings the earth out of the water. In one continent, if you remember, I showed you that picture, and you know how Africa and the other nations fit together. It makes sense, right? It's just very clear. And God brings us one continent out of the water, and the water rushes off the mountains, and then we have topography and the heights of the mountains and the low valleys. All that happens in this one act, and it'll happen even more when we move further in Genesis, when we finally get to the flood, but God is beginning to form earth and rocky mountains and soils for plants to grow. He's preparing the planet for these plants, and that's what he's going to make on uh, day three. Just, again, the, the power, the, the epic power that's being displayed, the intense movement, it's hard to imagine, the power. And we're just talking about this one sphere, earth. We're going, like I said, we're going... Light years away tonight, in, in the next day. But right now on this planet, the, the amount of force and power that we're, we're seeing here, or describe hearing, describe here is unbelievable. Life be- begins at the lowest level here, with grasses and plants and then fruit trees. All of that intended for higher life, the grass intended for cows and, and, and animals that chew the, the uh, trees and, and other plants f- for fruit, for you and I, for man. It's all being created for higher life. God is starting with his lower life, but he's creating everything for higher life. And then it, it's just an amazing thing. I, I, I wonder if we'll be able to see video. I wonder if there's going to be replay or TiVo or whatever it is in heaven. We'll be able to, God, can we see that? I want to see what you did. I'm sure there's going to be an opportunity for that. Well, I'm not sure, but I hope there is. I hope there's going to be an opportunity for that. But the second stage of day three is plants and trees. Verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herbs that yield seeds and fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind whose seed is inside the fruit trees on the earth, and it was so. So God speaks into existence. Again, God said, God said, God said. We're seeing God create. He does it not with his hands. He doesn't shape things with hands. He doesn't have any. He just speaks, and it's it's created. Now, we get the difference between plants and trees in this little text, and I went into detail last time, but primarily the plants having seeds on the outside, fruit having seeds on the inside. And God is trying to, I believe, tell us something here, seeds on the inside. Do you like berries and kiwi fruit and diverticulitis? No, we don't like that. But, but all those, that fruit is so good. But the idea that it has seeds, and God has intentionally done that so that this plant, he's created it mature. It already has seeds. It's not developing or, or, or genetically changing into a different thing, so it'll sustain itself. Moving into a higher form of life, it has a seed, it's made mature. That's the, the idea, so that now it can reproduce. God made it fully grown. He made mature plants with seeds, and now they can just replenish the earth. They can reproduce and replenish and distribute throughout the earth. So this interesting, this little phrase in verse 12, I like it. It it's, tells us that there's a seed, and it grows after its own kind. Very interesting, every seed, the earth brought forth grass, verse 12, the herb that yields seed, and then it says later, according to its kind. Again, a plant can only reproduce something of its own kind. Another plant of the same color, variety, the size, the shape, all of those things are within its genetic code. We're going to talk a little bit about that later too, but but, plants, plants. They didn't evolve they were made mature that's what the scripture tells us no animal or plant evolves to a higher form everything's devolving really everything's slowing down entropy thermodynamics i explained that earlier but genesis teaches that god spoke and he created everything now i have a short little video because i i really want you to catch this whole thing about as we look at creation we should become worshipers this is one of my favorite worshipers. He's going to do a song, and there's some words. You can follow it. We'll turn the lights down. This is, I love this worship leader in this song. Yeah. That's Tommy Walker. I, I love Tommy Walker, and I love his music, and we, I've sung it for years, and Let There Be Light. Let there, there it is. Okay, so let's go over these days again, and then we're going to jump into day four. Day one, light. Day two, separation. Day three, earth, water, and plants. So God's preparing the earth, and it's growing, but he's not done. Because day four, we get the sun, moon, and stars. So the Bible is going to teach us, Genesis is teaching us now, that God is going to put the luminaires, you could say, the stars in the heavens, the lights in the sky. That's what we look at. Let's read together verse 14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning or the fourth day. Now, it's at this point I need to kind of divert just to give perspective, but evolution. Evolution tries to explain where all the stars and galaxies come from. They try to, they're trying to see, and science, evolutionary science is trying to see where the matter, and how old it is, and how far it goes, and they measure light, and they measure the, the moon rocks. Remember the first moon rock? If you've been to the Smithsonian, D.C., I've been there a couple of times, they've got one of the moon rocks. You can look at it through the glass. There's one of the rocks they brought back from, from the moon. And they're, they're trying to, to uh, look at and, and analyze to see how old the universe is, but they haven't been able to do it. They, we've sent men to the moon. How many probes and satellites have we sent out in the last 50 years? I mean, just since we... Flight is just really just something that's just started, I mean, in the last 100 years. And, and now we've got, to, you know, sent people on the moon. There's men in space, men and women in space right now in the space station. But there's all this space stuff, satellites, probes, uh, the Mars probe, all these different things that have been sent out there. They're looking, looking. And then the Hubble Space Telescope, that's the big one, the one that most of us know about. It was sent into orbit in 1990. The Hubble uh, Telescope looks at visible light, and it's taking pictures, and we see these pictures, and pretty awesome. But there's a new telescope launched in 2003 called the Spitzer. The Spitzer is controlled by Caltech and JPL right here in Pasadena, and it doesn't look at visible light, it looks at infrared light, so it can see much further much, much further. And so here's some pictures. This is a Spitzer picture right here. And it's looking further. It's looking through the Milky Way. It's looking out and it's seeing galaxies far, far away. And the result of the pictures and the discovery and all the different satellites and probes that scientists have sent to space is that they just keep seeing more and more and more, that there's no answers. It's just more, more, more. Galaxies and stars and clusters of stars and... But no insight on how the universe could have possibly evolved. That's because evolution doesn't make any sense. It, you can't make it make sense because it doesn't make sense. All this stuff, where did it come from? When did it start? There's, all they have is a theory. It, there was bang! It just happened. That's their theory. I mean, seriously. Now, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, just be cavalier. I'm just saying that, that's it. That's all I know they have to say. And, and all they'll do is add billions upon billions of years to, to exercise their knowledge. Say, well, are, are you so stupid you, didn't, you can't understand that? It just takes more years, that it's billions upon billions of years, and it could happen. Really? But, but isn't science observable, repeatable truth? And that's not scientific. Evolution is not scientific. That's the, the real point. God made everything on the fourth day. and He just spoke it. He spoke it. It's mind-boggling. Look at this picture. This is a, just another Spitzer picture here. It's an image of a, another galaxy. Verse 14 says that God said, that's power. God spoke that into existence. I always think about when I speak, you know, and there's all kinds of matter coming out of my mouth. (laughs) When I speak, it's all over my iPad, by the way. Don't touch this. This is really dangerous because as I speak, I have to clean it every time I do this. But it's almost like God spoke and all this stuff went out and, and we see these beautiful galaxies that are bigger than we can imagine. Verse 16, then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And these two obviously are the sun and the moon. And then in the Hebrew, I love this, at the end, I want you to look here, look at the end of verse 16. They're just words kind of added to the end of the sentence. Notice what it says right there. Uh, And then he made the stars also. Think about that. God made the sun and the moon, and I sprinkled it with a few stars. The power and the, the awesome authority that our God has. You have to get the idea here. That's, that's the, the, the vibe that God has created, and, and it's just mega here. Talk about a boom. This is it right here, power. So if, when you think about God's awesome power, is there anything more powerful than God? Absolutely not. No. God is displaying His power. When you look up into the heavens, and you see the lights and tonight's a really great night, by the way, to see the heavens, you can see that you can actually see the outline of the moon. I was out there early, you can see the outline of the whole moon and just the sliver of it, but you see the whole moon. It's, it's remarkable, and then you see the stars. And when you get to the desert or the mountains, you can see the Milky Way, and that band of, of how many trillions? quadrillions? Well, I can't even describe a word that, that would number the stars that we see when we look up. And now we have these telescopes that go up and, and see things and identify galaxies, and they're trying to count and figure out, and what, how, where do we come from, and where did this bank start? And there's got to be some evidence of that somewhere. That's what they're looking for. But, but when we look at creation, we see God. As a Christian, you should see God everywhere, and you should see his immense power. Now, I wanna give you a little physics lesson here. Just remind you, the light speed. Now, when we think of light speed, we think of, star, we think of that, right? Light speed. If you're a, how many saw Star Trek? I mean, be honest, be honest, come on. Well, you, not everybody, but a few of you did. I, I actually went and saw it. Light speed, that's what that is. Now, here's light speed in Southern California, by the way, here it is. Okay, let's go back to light speed. Light speed is, is depicted by this kind of blur uh, light here. But I want to put in perspective the immensity of our galaxy by talking to you about light speed 186,000 miles per second. That's booking, that is moving. So, so tonight, I, I really want to help you understand this. Six trillion miles in, uh, in a year, six trillion unbelievable speed we're talking about here. So, here we have a picture of our solar system, and this picture that I'm showing you doesn't give you scale, it just shows you all the planets in our solar system. Of course, the one on the end there, it's been declassified, you know that, right? It's not a planet anymore, it's called a dwarf star, I guess? What, whatever, you know. I, I, don't, I don't quite understand that, but it's just a dwarf star thing. So. dwarf planet. But uh, these planets orbit the sun. This is our solar system. This is our neighborhood right here. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to get in your mind. I want you to imagine a light beam, a single light beam that's going to leave Calvary Chapel, San Bernardino, and it's going to move at 186 miles per hour from this location. It's going to take off in five minutes at eight o'clock. And at eight o'clock, it's going to leave this location, and off it goes in one single direction at 186 miles, or 180, miles per hour. By 8:41, the light beam passed Jupiter. That's how fast it's moving. So in 40 minutes or so, it gets to Jupiter, and there you can see there where it's going and how fast it's going. Four hours later, traveling at that 186,000 miles per hour, it's at Pluto. It's at the end of our little neighborhood here, and then uh, four years traveling at the same speed, light speed, and this is hard to imagine, but 186,000 miles per second for four years. It reaches the nearest star to our sun. It's called Proxima Centauri. It's this one right over here. So here's our sun, two light years, see, four light years, and it gets here. Six light years, there's this other one out here. These are, this uh, Proxima, what is it called? Proxima Centauri, you can actually see it with your naked eye. If if you really have good eyesight, you can actually see it. It's it's bright enough and it's big enough. It's a group of stars. It's not just one star. But then you go seven years later and that little light beam keeps moving and, and it's got only 20 stars behind it it's been traveling, traveling, traveling so quickly. And it's, we're talking vast, immense space here. And it's, it's so hard for us to grasp it, but I'm hoping that you get this. Now listen to this. It has to travel 32,000 years at 186,000 miles per second before it reaches the center of our known galaxy. 32,000 years at that speed. Are you getting the idea that we're living in a really large universe? 50,000 years after the 32,000 years, you get to the other side of the Milky Way. And the Milky Way galaxy is only an average-sized galaxy. There are many galaxies that are much bigger than the Milky Way. I mean, it's, again, it's hard to wrap our minds around this, but there are some, scientists say, 50 billion Galaxies like the Milky Way, but some of them bigger than the Milky Way. And it would take you eighty or eighty thousand years at that light speed to get across some of those galaxies. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it? It kind of sets you when you finally go for two point five three seven million years. This light beam that left at eight o'clock, two point five three, seven million years later, it reaches the Andromeda galaxy, and I think I have a picture of that. There it is, see over there where the little circle is? That's another one you can see with your naked eye, if you have really good eyes. If you come up to the crest line, you can get on my roof and look up, and you might be able to see that one. The the reason, and this is an interesting picture, it's really in high resolution, but all of these look kind of blurry, especially if you can't see very well. But, but the blur here is the, the, the whole thing about the blur is it's because it's not one star. It's a galaxy bigger than the Milky Way. There's millions of stars inside that one little circle there that is the Andromeda galaxy. So most of this information that I'm sharing with you now, you can look up on Google and you can go to the Hubble Space Pictures, and you can see the pictures and read about it. And this is all known, this is all facts. Now, we're looking at the Bible, and Genesis explains that God created the heavens, and He did it by speaking. And His just speaking, the power creates the size and the immense expanse that we're talking about tonight, that we can hardly even wrap our minds around. And at the end of verse 16, he made the stars also. I love that. I love that. He made the sun, and moon. We see the sun and moons. And, and yeah, the, you know that all this he made those stars too. It's, it's so mind-boggling. Somebody say, Wow, I mean, I need that. Okay. All right. Thanks. Here's what the psalmist says. Check this verse out. The psalmist writes this When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers. Your fingers, I love that. The moon and the stars which you have made, ordained, or set in place. The psalmist is beginning to, to just wonder, and the psalmist is going, wow, God, you're so big. And how about this in Isaiah chapter 40? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? He's measured the he- heavens with a span. You know what a span is? Think about what I just described, the light years and the 32 billion... The span, it's just the span of God's hand. It's just a little teeny bit of God's hand. In other words, God has it all under his control. He made it all. He is so powerful. Oh, it's, it's, it's just remarkable. If that's the work of God's fingers and the span of his hands, just think what his arm can do. I mean, come on. We serve a mighty and powerful God. Now, today, if you read, I read this Fox News report on my phone every morning. I get up, it's one of my things. I read the Bible and I read the Fox News report. And today there was this article. I want to show you, this is what this article says here. Hundreds of hidden galaxies glimpsed behind the Milky Way. So now this telescope in Australia has seen this. And I want to go ahead and roll that video. Don't turn the lights down this time though. Just roll the video. No music with it, just roll the video. Now I'm going to talk while that video goes. Let's see if we can get this video going. This was posted today. Go forward so we don't see. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. So all it, there's no real talking in this video, but here we're moving away from the Earth. We're going through the galaxy. The Earth is in the middle of the Milky Way somewhere. And this is illustrating the fact that it's very difficult for our telescopes to see through all the debris and all the stuff and the light coming from that galaxy, we haven't been able to see them. Well, in Australia, they have set up these telescopes, and and these telescopes have been able to see some of the radio waves, And, and it's a radio telescope, obviously, and it's seeing more. The idea is that there's more. There's more than the scientists even think. There's more there. Of course there is. There's more. There's all these extra stars. God has, again, created it all. He spoke it all. So let's go back to my, my notes. I just wanted you to see that. It was a cool report. I read it. It was fun just to see incorporated in here in the study tonight. Evolutionary theory says that it's all a result of random spontaneous process. Mysterious gases and cells that spontaneously organize themselves blew up. And have come to this upward complexity to where you have plant life and animal life and eye and brain matter. And think about the complexity of your mind and your brain and your ear, how it works. But it all came from this, by random chance, by heat, it all just happened. That's that's the theory of, of evolution. Evolution has never been observed. It's never been proven because it's impossible. Now let me give you another example. We go from the the immensity or the size of the universe. Let's let's bring it back home to Earth. Let's get down to the very essence of who we are as people. It's called. Uh, there it is right there. We say DNA, but dioxyribonucleic acid. Did I get that right? All the all the. Doctors and scientists and biologists here in the, in the room. Um, that one sister, I don't see her tonight. I had a really great conversation with a biologist on Sunday morning. She took biology. She's not here, right? No. She came last week. And we talked a little bit about it. And she said, you know, I, I, as a Christian, I had to suffer through all those classes. She's got a degree in biology. I had to suffer through all those classes on evolution because I knew God created it all. And she's, she's been listening She's either listening online or she's listening to the series. And she goes, it's oh, so refreshing, Pastor Lee, to hear what God's done, because I believe that, even though she's gone through many, many courses in biology. And that's what's been proven but, or, or taught to her, this theory. So DNA carries the life code. So we've gone from the vastness of the universe right down to DNA, which carries the, the life code for each and every one of us and cell, every cell. Every single cell has this DNA. So you take your body, for instance. There are 100 trillion cells that make up your body. That's another hard number to comprehend, isn't it? 100 trillion cells? I mean, think of that. And every one of those cells has this strip of DNA. And that double helix that you're seeing behind me that connects, you have all this chemistry that holds it together, and there's code. It's all code. It's code that describes something about the cell or about you. And we're talking about you and me here. There's 46 segments of that little coil. 23 come from your mom. 23 come from your dad. And they come together. And that's why you look like your mom or dad, right? It's DNA. It's because God's a God of order. This is what God has created. It couldn't have just happened. DNA is another proof that God made you and I. Now, if you could take the DNA, this is an interesting—you couldn't, you can't really see it. It's very small, but if you could take it, it's seven feet long when you stretch it all the way out—seven feet. Each one of these hundred trillion cells that you're made up of have DNA, and you stretch those cells out—they're seven feet long. So you take the hundred, you know. a billion cells and then stretch them out seven feet long and you end up with this en- enormous line of DNA. One scientist says this, if you take all the DNA and stretch it out and connect it together, it would stretch from here to the moon one half million times. It's incredible. I mean, these numbers, are they, they're mind-boggling. Psalm 139 here, look at this verse. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well how intricately God has made each and every one of us. And yet my, my children, they're different. They're individuals, but they sure look like me. And sorry to say, sometimes they even act like me. You know, when you see your kids grow up, sometimes you go, oh, they're making the same mistake I made. I don't want them to make that one. But here's my point here. Whether you go to the the farthest galaxy in the universe, some two and a half million light years away, like I've described, or you look at the smallest human cell within the human body, you always see the hand of an intelligent creator. Always. Always. There's design. There's there's, um, cohesion. There's... Everything in every piece of God's creation has order. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful truth that God has created it all. Now, that's what Genesis is uh, teaching us as we read it. And then we read the phrase again and again. Verse 3, then God said. Verse 6, God said. Verse 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 29. This chapter is filled with, then God spoke it all into existence the reason I make such a big deal about this is you can add as much time as you want to a theory and it has nothing in comparison to God's power and speaking do you hear what I'm saying oh Christian we just need to receive the word of God and see our God as a powerful creator and just wonder and worship and thank him that's our response that's that's should be our response God said it, and it came into existence. I want to show you this. This psalm is really long. The next one I have here for you, Psalm 33. But notice, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Again, by the word of the Lord. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded... And it stood fast. Day four. Sun, moon, and stars. And all he did was speak. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's it's wonderful. It's a miracle. Now, verse 14, we're told. Let me break down this little section. We're almost done. But notice in verse 14 again, the sun, moon, and stars. And God gave us the sun, moon, and stars for a reason. I I want you to see that. My next point here. the Three purposes for heavenly light. Three purposes for the light that's in the, the um, heavens. Number one, to separate day from night. Notice verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. Here's the reason, to divide the day from night. So the purpose of the heavenly lights is to separate day and night. So we began in day one, two, and three with lights from one source, and that was God. And now God has kind of connected light to all these stars in the universe and primarily to the moon and the sun for our benefit for our planet's benefit for the cycle and reproduction benefit of plant life and animals it's it's a beautiful truth here but we have this solar cycle 24 hours I think about people living in Alaska I know that that Wayne used to live up there. When you live in Alaska or way in the fringes of Alaska, there are some days in the summer that the sun just doesn't go down. And then there are some days in the winter where the sun never comes up. I mean, that would be horrible, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be fun to go there in the summertime and tromp around in the bush. But, but I, I don't know if I'd like to be there when there's just dark you know, for a few weeks or a month on end and then, or just light. But God has done specific things so that we have this cycle. Winter, summer, uh, 24-hour cycles. God separated the night from the day with the light of our sun. And then secondly, the second purpose for the heavenly light is to separate time and seasons. And I love this. He said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs. They're for Signs. The reason that we have the lights and the stars in the sky, the sun and the moon, is for signs. And there's a lot that goes into this section here. I love this. The stars and the sun and the moon, they divide our year into seasons. And we we use commonly four seasons, right? There's really summer and there's winter and then there's the in-between times. The springtime, which we're entering now. I think we've entered it a little early here in California. 60 degrees at my house, it's supposed to be 40-something. And, and, the, cycles and they, the cycles, what do they do? They set the plants off on the right cycle, right? So God has developed these signs, not only for our benefit, but for the planet as well. It separates t- time and seasons, or seasonal times. Each month, the moon. Think about the moon and the signs. Like right now, you go out there, and it's a little sliver. And then on other days it's a full moon, and when you read the scriptures, it talks. That's how the early people knew where they were in their month by the the size of the moon. Very interesting. God set the moon in order for signs. Now, the world always twists everything and perverts. Satan perverts it so people follow their astrological sign. They follow the moon and the moon and the you know they howl like wolves or whatever it is people do with a full moon. <laughs> You know, they, they, they imagine things. But God has set the moon and the sun at a special place for, to, to divide us into seasons and times and days and years. All of those planets kind of help us in that area. And, and here's the interesting thing. Because our earth is tilted, I can't remember how many degrees. Does anybody remember that from biology? 33? 23, 23 degrees. Thank you, Steve. So 23 degrees. Our, our earth is tilted just right to give us times and seasons on both sides of the planet. Very interesting, the way God has created everything and the way our our earth rotates and and we have different distances from different places. So it gets hot at one time of the year, then it's cold at the other time of the year. All of that, God has ordered all of those things. And it's the sun and the gravitation of the moon and the waves beating on the ocean shore that creates life for the plants all around the shoreline and and brings air into the ocean, you know, so the plants can live and the fish all around the coral and all that. It's a fascinating, wonderful truth that God has put all these planets in space or the ones in our solar system at least to, to guide us for different times of the year all of that is vital for rejuvenation for plant life, all the changes. And I believe that God did that because he cares about you, that all of this was created with you in mind because he wanted you to have food. And he didn't want you just to have manna every day, which is really interesting. We have fruit in the summer, and we have potatoes in the winter, and there's different kinds of food that are produced in different seasons. And I believe that God loves variety, and he wants you to enjoy that. And I believe that's why he's done all of those things. It's, it's just awesome when you think of it that way. And you know what else? All of us plan our year around those cycles, don't we? Winter and summer. I mean, when I was growing up, everybody was out of school in the summer. Yeehaw, the last day of school, you know, and you're running around with your buddies all over the neighborhood and jumping in the dumpster at the school and whatever you did. You know, I don't know what you guys did. <laughs> I used to do that. That was fun. I think I was seven or eight years old. I come home and my mom said, what what is wrong with you? Mom was playing in the dumpster with my buddies, you know. We used to get in it and push it around the school parking lot like a race car. It was really fun. But you did that, that season of the year. You, You might have different things that you used to do. But, but you go on vacation in the summertime and then you're back to school, you know, in the winter, you're in school all winter and then you're free again in the summer. So those cycles, all those changes that came, the yearly cycles, they kind of govern our lives. God said, let there be lights, verse 14, in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let there be signs and seasons for the days and years. So three purposes. Number one, to separate day from night. Number two, to separate time and season. Number three to give light on the earth. I love this one. Verse 15, and let them be for lights. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. I love that. And it was so. God spoke it and it was so. Or it was fixed. That's a neat way to describe that. God spoke it and it was fixed. Didn't change. No evolutionary process. No maturation, didn't need it. it was, everything was made mature. It was fixed. It was so. God did it. No evolution, no progression. God made it, and it was. Then Genesis breaks down some more detail here, this last little section, verse 16. Then God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the sun, the lesser light to rule the night, the moon. And he, Then he just made the stars also. I love that. A little thought there. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day, over the night, to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. The fourth day. Exciting day. A lot going on on the fourth day here. So how should we respond to all of this? I set you up with that video, living in the wonder of our God. We're living it. Listen, you might have struggles in your life. You might have some real serious problems at work, things that are really bothering you. But you are living in the wonder of our God. And he is with you and he'll never leave you. And he has all power, he has all authority. Are you appropriating that in your life? Or are the things of this life overtaking you? How big is your God? How big is he? Are you really living? in the wonder of our God. Uh, The right response to God's creation is to worship, not to question it, not to argue it, not to debate it, and please, not to use science as a hermeneutic to describe it. No. Or define it. We just believe it. And we get on our face, and we worship an awesome God. And to end this study, I want you to open... Turn to the middle of your Bible to Psalm 8. I want to end with reading Psalm 8. Worship team, you guys can come up. Let's have the worship team come up and then we'll read Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verse 1. To the chief musician on the instrument of death, not really sure what that is, but David wrote this psalm, and there was some really cool guitar instrument that came from that area of Gath, and this was a song to be sung. Can't sing it. We don't have the melody, but here it is. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen. Even the beasts of the field. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord. How excellent is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Let's drop the lights. Father, thank you. I just thank you for this text. And Lord, even though we didn't have time to see or grasp the immensity of your creation, you've given us just a a little glimpse. You created the moon and the heavens and the stars. You, You just made them. You spoke and they were created. I pray... Others, as I prayed all day today for the congregation tonight, their heart would be moved to wonder, that their hearts would be moved to worship. As the psalmist said, O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Oh, we love you, Lord. We worship you now. In Jesus' name.